let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there, my name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times best-selling authors and much, much more, these people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey to learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show, your one-stop shop for super-duper inspiration from incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world. I know that was cheesy, but just stick around. I promise you, you will think differently after the show. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Justin Pogue, a real estate consultant and author based in San Jose, California. His services are sought after by property management companies, investors, and real estate consulting companies alike. Fox News, The Mercury News, Realtor.com, and ApartmentTherapy.com have all featured his insights for the benefit of their audiences. He got his start in real estate by purchasing properties on the lands available list in the state of Florida. And since 2003, he has developed and managed apartments, rental homes, and student housing across the United States. Justin holds a degree in economics from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, as well as an MBA from the Darden School at the University of Virginia. As a San Jose native, he also attended Bellarmine College Preparatory and the Harker School. In addition, Justin has so many more impressive accolades that I could not possibly cover in this very brief introduction. So without any further ado, it is truly an honor to introduce Justin. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be here, Ben. Absolutely. It's great to be speaking to you. It really is. So let's jump right in. You ready? Let's go for it. What is your story? So my story starts uh, with uh, kind of leaving the Bay Area, going to, uh, going to Philadelphia for, for undergrad, just kind of getting away getting away from the safety net, trying something new, uh, got acquainted with uh, winter there very well, um, the whole dual wardrobe thing. Um, and then uh, came back to the Bay Area and then left again, uh, went to graduate school and planned to go into management consulting. Unfortunately, that was around 2001, 2002, when the whole tech bubble was imploding. And uh, the management consulting companies were all saying, well, our clients are trying to figure out what their business plan is, which means we're trying to figure out what our business plan is. And we don't need new people to help us do that. Um, so kind of have to dig a little deep and find some resilience and figure out what the next, what the next plan is. And uh, that ended up happening to be uh, to be real estate. Um, 
and it's been it's been an excellent ride so far. Never a dull moment, and every day has been different um, from from the last. So I've really enjoyed the process that I've been on. Let's talk about your early early years when you were a kid. Okay. Who were you? Okay. What did you care about? So as a so as a kid, I was. I mean, like most kids, I'm focused on, you know, cartoons, video games, you know, playing outside, that kind of thing. Um, but I saw a lot of a lot of entrepreneurial tendencies in my parents, mostly in my mother. Um, so my father worked for IBM uh, as a computer programmer. And uh, they uh, started in New York as an intern after majoring in math. And uh, IBM kind of gave him his option of where he wanted to be. And he chose to be in San Jose, California. And so he was the breadwinner, which allowed my mother to be the, the entrepreneurial one. And she tried all kinds of businesses, um, different multi-level marketing businesses. She ran a print shop for a while. She was a real estate agent for a while. Um, and all that kind of informed you know my thoughts on what entrepreneurship was what that what that kind of could look like what your responsibilities as an entrepreneur were to your customers and to your vendors and your partners and that kind of thing um so in terms of my you know my childhood um it was a lot of a lot of the same basic things that a lot of people experienced in their childhood but definitely had that kind of support and exposure to what entrepreneurship is, what it could be, what it kind of looked like. Um, and wasn't all sunshine and lollipops either. Um, so kind of got that inside picture of what, what that could look like. What was the picture that wasn't sunshine and lollipops? You know, it's, it's difficult running a business by yourself where you're really, where all of the ideas are coming from you, from, from your own head. And, and for, for some of your, for some of your viewers and listeners, like this was before the internet really took off. So you didn't, you couldn't just plug in and Google something and get a YouTube video about how to do something. Um, so it was really a lot more difficult to get information about how to do certain things, how to do certain things in your business. And you really were more reliant on your personal connections and your, you know, your social network. but pre-internet days social network meant people that you actually knew and could meet in person and actually talk to um so it, it's so seeing so seeing how kind of difficult it was for her to find that information to help her business grow and flourish um was one of the things that i had a front row seat to as you were growing up and you're going through high school decide mm -hmm. to go to college. Why did management consulting stick out to you? Why did that draw you? That drew me in because management consult, my, my impression of management consulting at the time was there's a company with a problem. We're going to just parachute you in and you're going to decipher what the problem is and help them resolve it with that outside perspective. And that was really appealing to me because I was expecting to have opportunities where 
you know, for this month, I'm working on this particular type of business with this issue. And then the fall, two months later, I'd be working in a different company, different issues, different industry. Um, so what attracted me was the, the variation of the industries that I, that I could focus on, um, the variation of the types of work um, that I would be able to do inside those companies. And really like being able to get inside that environment and like meet the people that are dealing with those issues. Um, as I'm, and this carried over into my real estate experience too. Like I'm very much a people person. I'm very interested in like meeting people, figuring out what their story is, what's going right, what's going wrong, how I can add value to what they're trying to accomplish. Um, and that's the mental conception that I had of, of management consulting when I went away to college. Why is providing value important to you? what else are you here for? Like it's, it's in order to have positive relationships with other people, you need to bring something to the, to the table. You need to add something to their, to their life. Otherwise, you know, why, why bother? If we're not doing positive mutual exchange, then we're just, we're just sitting here looking at each other. I mean, what's, what's the point? We're not, not growing. We're not developing. We're not moving. We're, it's 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 kind of what makes the relationships interesting because everybody's got a different you know superpower if you will um and what gets me really excited is being able to find out what that is and to tap into that and share that and and share that with other people too um and i think that's that can be one of the things that's missing in terms of how people are interacting with each other now, it's like, well, we'll just, we'll click this and we'll, we'll, we'll click this and it'll, it'll send you a like. And you know, that that's kind of the extent of our relationship, which isn't really a relationship, like actually going in and digging a little deeper and seeing what, what each person has to bring to the world. Cause everybody was born with a gift. You just got to figure out what that is. And that's what makes it exciting. How do you drill down and find out what that is? Because I believe that we have a lot of different layers. I believe we have who we are at our core. Mm -hmm. And then I believe there are a lot of external influences that we bring inside, um, maybe not by our own choice. And then I feel like there's the mixture of those. So there's these different layers in a lot of different uh, capacities and then we're constantly moving forward. So there's always more stuff added that's sprinkled on top. So mm -hmm. how do you decipher that? How do you, how do you work through and uncover who you truly are at your core? So it's, it's interesting. It's an, it's a really interesting question. Um, because I recently had an experience with a nonprofit group called ProMatch and what they, they basically help people get back to work. Um, and a lot of the process that they take people through is really drilling down to see who you really are and what you have to offer. Because unfortunately we as individuals don't always see what we have to offer, um, yeah. and the skills that we have. Um, it's kind of like asking a fish what water is like, they don't know because they're always in it. Um, 
But once you, you know, once you remove the water, then it's like, oh, that's what that was. Okay, I really needed that. That was key to who I was. Um, so drilling down into what into what that person has to offer, it starts with a having an authentic, trusting relationship with that individual, so they will actually open up and accept some discussion, criticism, and so you can ask tougher questions once you have that, you know, once you have that as a, as a foundation. Um, the other thing is really asking a lot of questions about what, what their accomplishments have been. What were the facets of those accomplishments in terms of who were the people involved? How did you work with those people? What was the actual end result? How did the customers you were trying to serve factor into the solution that you came up with? How was that solution different than other solutions that people may have tried in the past? And really asking those questions, you start to tease out who the person is, what they have to offer, what their skill sets really are, and then you can start to recognize those. But it's a very kind of iterative process. It's not like we click a few buttons and then we're down to the core and that's where you know, we know everything about this person. Now, as you point out, people have layers and you build, as you build the relationship, you'll be able to dig down through, through those layers to get to the core of that person. Um, but it all starts with that relationship because if you don't have a quality relationship, you're never going to get to the core of that person because they won't let you in. Who's that person for you? Who is that person for me? So are you asking who am I? Who do I think my skills are or yeah I'm, I'm asking like you know you're saying you have to have that relationship somebody that uh, somebody that you trust to let your guard down to let them see those layers so they can ask the questions and go through that iterative process with mm -hmm. who who do you oh, rely on for that who do I go through that process with mm -hmm. okay um so I, so I've done that with a number of people, some, some with a few people, actually, some of those people have been very close to me that I've grown up with. Others of those people have been people that I met, for example, in that ProMatch organization that I mentioned earlier. Um, and so the friends of that, so basically in terms of specific people, um, my mother is definitely one of those people. Um, and I have a friend who's actually taking a, uh, who's in a, a medical school program now, um, that I've known since fourth grade. Um, he's, he's definitely one of those people who asks a lot of the crit those critical questions to, to make, really make you think about, you know, is the path that you're taking the one that you really want to based on your background and what you, what you've been looking at. Um. And then, but it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that you've known for 20 or 30 years. It can be someone who you've, you've met recently who is genuinely interested in what you're doing and focusing on building that relationship with you and developing and asking you and asking you those, those questions. Um, Another piece of it is actually being receptive to, to receiving those questions in terms of your personal mindset and how you're and how you're approaching the situation. Um, and it's a lot easier to grow and develop when you're open to 
having those discussions with people. And when you're genuine, people tend to reciprocate that and they're genuine as well, which really helps facilitate that process. So having a lot of those tough conversations, what have you discovered about yourself? So one thing I've definitely discovered is, as my friend puts it, I'm a, I'm a crusader. I'm not a mercenary. So it's not necessarily about earning a whole bunch of money. Yes, money's nice. It's very useful. It's a very useful tool. Um, but for me, it's more about what am, what am I accomplishing? What impact am I having? How am I making the people that I'm interacting with better for having had that interaction in, in at least some small way? Um, and how can I take the information that I have, the knowledge that I have, and the skills that I have, and benefit the most people with those? Um, so I've definitely, I've definitely discovered that. Um, something else I've discovered is I really don't want to be stuck behind a desk all day. I like the jobs where I'm out in the field, whether it's, whether it's, whether it's real estate or private security, which I did in the past. Um, I want to be out in the field, on the ground, in the trenches, like seeing how things are actually operating and working. Um, it's kind of the difference between reading the corporate annual report and actually going out to one of their stores in the city and actually counting like how many people are leaving the store with actual bags in hand, like what's going on in the real world. Um, so that's another thing that I've actually learned about myself is I want to be out there in the field, like seeing, seeing what's going on. Um, Why did you choose to use the words crusader and mercenary? Those two words, that's those two words came out of the conversation that I've had with my friend, the one that I've known since fourth grade. Um, and in our conversations, we talked about like different professions that are more, that are designed more for to be money motivated, commission motivated versus professions that are more motivated by the mission um that that organization may that the organization may have and that doesn't necessarily mean a nonprofit situation although it could mean that um it's more it's more about the difference between the impact that i have for myself versus the impact that i have for that impact that i have on other people and the the balance between those two and for me the balance is tilted towards having an impact on other people versus the personal benefit. So I feel like we now have a much better idea of, of who you actually are, what you actually care about. So how do you do this whole rental thing? What are those secrets? So how I came to actually write the book and put that together is I just left a job where I was managing 200 plus apartments in the California Bay area and 
having conversations with in that role, having conversations with renters about the cost of renting and the situations that they're going through and all of that. Um, and then I started doing some soul searching as far as how I wanted to apply my skills kind of going forward. Did I want to just go into the same, the same kind of job situation or did I want to take those skills and kind of apply them more broadly? Um, which led me to the idea of writing this book. And in researching the topic, in researching, you know, the idea of writing the book, I go into the bookstore. All the real estate books are for owners, investors, and managers, pretty much. There's really nothing out there written from the perspective of a renter, which I found really interesting because they're the other half of this coin. Like, who are the investors expecting to sell, to rent these properties to? It's the renter. But I didn't really see anybody talking to them. So that was why I decided to write from that perspective. Now, in terms of specific secrets, the idea is thinking about what the landlord is dealing with, what problems they have, and what problems you may be able to solve for them as a resident. And one example of a problem that landlords have is during the spring and summer months, everybody's looking to get into, get settled, find a place, get situated before the school year starts. And they know this because typically the prices are higher in the summer months before we get into August and September when, when school starts. But the flip side of that, which most people don't think about, which is why it's a secret, is that when you get into the fall, late fall, winter months, there are a lot fewer people looking for places to live. But those vacancies are still happening, and that's a problem for landlords, is they're not gonna wait to fill that vacancy for six months until they can charge higher rents. Because every month, every, well, every day that an apartment is vacant, the landlord is losing money. And not only are they losing money, they can't get it back. If I tell you, for example, I'm gonna rent you this apartment next week for two weeks, that has a certain value to you. If I tell you I'm gonna rent this apartment to you last week for two weeks, it doesn't even make any sense because it has, it has zero value to you. Last week is gone, it's never coming back. Same with the rental money that they could have gotten if they had filled that space. So the idea is that in that fall, and winter time, you have an opportunity to actually rent an apartment for a discount. And in some cities, depending depending on the depending on the city and market that you're in, a discount could be as much as seven and a half percent. With and with rents, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars a month, seven and a half percent can be pretty significant, um, especially when you figure out that you're saving that over a twelve month period. So that's one. Of, so that's one of the secrets that I point out in my book, and I actually have a story in there about about an individual who who actually did this and how it really impacted the options and choices that he had as as a young person coming out of college to try different to try different try different professions, try different industries, see what what he liked, what he didn't like, what worked what worked well for him as far as an actual profession. Um, so that's, so that's one of the secrets that, I, that it's in the book. That's a pretty damn good secret. That is an awesome secret. Yeah. So 
when you're in the real estate space mm-hmm. and you're out there and you are an entrepreneur in the real estate space, what does that mean for you? Like, what is, what is your day to day actually look like? So as a, well, so real estate is a very broad category. And so I can kind of address that question as a, as a landlord, as an investor, as a real estate consultant, and kind of as an, as an author. But as a landlord and investor, what you're looking for is you're looking for properties that are, that, that are diminished in value for some reason. Either they're poorly managed, they're not necessarily in great condition. Um, the uh, you know the residents that are in the property are not the right residents for that particular property. There's some deficiency that's going on, and as an investor, you're looking for those deficiencies. Uh, and when you find those deficiencies, then you're looking to correct those. So the idea of looking for the worst house in a decent neighborhood that allows you as an investor to come in and do what's called forced appreciation. So I can take that property, correct the, correct the deficiency, make it livable, add washer and dryer to it, um, put better finishes in and make it an attractive, make it an attractive property. And then I can rent it to someone in that process. I've created a monthly cash flow from the person who's renting it, but then I've also, pushed up the value of the property, irregardless of what the rest of the market does. Um, So as an investor, that's kind of what you're spending your time on. You're looking for properties that are not at their full potential. And that entail, you're going out and visiting properties, you're talking to real estate agents, you're talking to, um, to other property owners who maybe have reached the point where I'm tired of dealing with this property, I've got other things on my plate, I need to get rid of this. What can you do for me? Um, so from an investor standpoint, that's what that kind of looks like. From a landlord standpoint, as a landlord, you are at the center of a number of different issues. Landlords handle customer relationship management, marketing and leasing issues, maintenance issues, sometimes environmental issues. There may be, there may be water leaks, mold, you know, those kinds of things that are going in the property that need to be corrected. Um, you're at, you're also at the center of legal issues and legal issues may not necessarily even be like eviction, which is what people typically think the legal issue that landlords deal with is it may have to do with issues of parking or there's a, or maybe a unit that you're trying to renovate and you may, the rules may have changed since the last time it was renovated. So now you need to go and get permits to upgrade it or the, 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 um, you know, or the requirements, the building requirements may have changed um, over time. Um, so as a landlord, you're at the center of, of all of that. And most, and it's interesting, most of the real estate training seminars, they will really just, their take on that is, okay, just go out and find somebody. Well, it depends on if you're able to afford those people who have that experience so that you, to help you work through your problem. Um, but I think a lot of people don't appreciate the, 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 the situation that the landlord is actually in being at the center of all those different issues. 
Um, and then the kind of real estate consultant part of that, um, what that looks like is it's a lot of, it's a lot of networking, going to meet property management companies, um, real estate investors, and sitting down and talking with them about what their issues are, what their problems are, and how I can help them address kind of what, what the issues that they're facing are. Um, some of those issues could be li liability issues, for instance. Um, a lot of property management companies really don't have a good process for going into apartments after they've been rented and checking them to make sure that everything is going the way they should be going. They're basically depending on the resident to call whenever there's a problem. Um, or they may face issues of recruiting the right people into their company so that their company can, can continue to grow. Um, so issues like that, um, that a lot of, that a lot of them deal with. Um, and it kind of gets back to, in some ways, the management consulting goal that I had when I went to school. Um, cause every, every property management company is different. Every investor is different. All of them have different goals they're trying to achieve. Um, and that's where also getting back to our conversation about building an authentic relationship and being able to dig down to that core level to see what's really important to those individuals. That that's where that really comes into play. You've gone to some very prestigious um, universities and um, had, had a lot of education. And I'm interested to learn what's different from what's taught in the classroom at that level versus <laughs> what's like real entrepreneurship out in, out in the world. I love, I love that question. And it, basically goes to the core of what I'm doing right now. So and there's actually a live presentation I do on, on, on based on the book. And in that live presentation, I talk about how regardless of what school you went to, typically what happens is you chose a major, you did everything that they required you to do. They gave you a piece of paper and a cap and a gown and then they sent you off into your profession. There was no discussion, most likely, of any of the practical things that you needed to know. So I graduated, I got my degree, so my next step is I need a job and a place to live. A lot of schools aren't even really talking about interviewing. How do you interview? How do you write a cover letter? How do you, how do you create relationships with people at that organization without actually working in that organization? Or why is it important to talk to people who used to work for that company as you're preparing for your interview with that company for what you think is your dream job? You talk to the people who used to work there, it may no longer be your dream job. Um, but then there's that other factor of, I need to find a place to live. Well, there's no discussion of how do I look for an apartment? How do I negotiate with a landlord? What is the landlord looking at and what is important to them? Um, there's no discussion for that. So it's kind of like, here's your degree. Great. Everything else you'll figure out on your own. And kind of, as we already talked about, there really aren't any books to help you figure out how to rent an apartment or how to, how to negotiate with a landlord or anything like that. Um, 
and that's just a couple of that's just a couple of examples. There, there's there's no discussion of credit cards, interest rate, mortgages, like personal fine, like none of that gets covered. Um, and it really doesn't matter what school you went to. You could have gone to the fanciest Ivy League school, or you could have gone to local community college. Like it's not covered anywhere, for the most part. Um, so that's so that's kind of one thing that isn't different that I think a lot of people would be would be you know curious to 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 learn about um and I mean don't get me wrong those schools are great the formal education is great depending on what profession you want to go into business engineering become a doctor a lawyer whatever it is you're trying to do um but there are gaps that that have been left that people would really like to know information about um but also, in terms of one of the real values of going to college is like you, you, you've learned how to learn. So you've learned how to assimilate information, how to find people who can help you, uh, you know, address whatever issues you're trying to address in your in your in your business. Um, and that's kind of the value that that college brings. Like you're you're no longer kind of this timid high school student who does who who really doesn't know anything about know anything about the world or know how to find access to information or to people. Um, so that's kind of the value that that college college brings forth for you. Um, but in terms of being on being on the ground like there's no there's no real discussion of or here's another good example how do i deal with working with someone that i don't like it's never covered never never really discussed um and as an entrepreneur business owner there are going to be some customers that you're selling to that you love they're fantastic they're great then there's going to be other customers that are that are overly demanding, overly burdensome. So, and one of the big lessons is not all customers are created equal. Some customers you just need to let go because they're because of the level of service they're demanding, they're not worth your they're not worth your time. They need they would be better served by going to someone else who's in a different place in their business. Um, they don't really teach that. That's something that you kind of have to learn along the way. So there are a lot of little lessons like that that are out in the, in, that you only learn by being out in the trenches. What are the things that people need to learn from you? So right now, we are having a very nasty national debate about housing between landlords, tenants, construction companies, city councils, um, and all, all across the board. And one of the things that I'm pointing out is all of these people technically are all on the same team. They all basically want the same thing. They all want great places to live at affordable prices in decent neighborhoods. Everybody wants that to happen. 
Um, where I think the disconnect is, is a lot of people don't understand the various points of view of the, indivi of the individuals and companies that are involved. And I think that's where a lot of the disconnect is coming. So part of what I'm teaching people in my book as renters is to, if you understand what the landlord's problem are, problems are, then you can talk to them in their language. And when you talk to people in their language, they're already more receptive to what you have to say, number one. Number two, you can present the information that they need to know about your situation in the way that they'll actually hear. Because what's going on is a lot of people are talking past each other and they're not talking to each other. Um, and that, and that I think is the real value that, that this book is bringing to kind of prepare people to go out and do one of those necessary life functions, which is finding a place to live. Um, and, you know, for those people out there who may be, who may be parents, who may be tasked with financially assisting their children to find a place to live, um, you know, having that, having that information is really, is really useful, not only for your child, but for you as well. Even if you already own your own place to live, um, helping your child get started on the right foot um, is, is really useful as well. That's huge. That is really, really huge. And one of the things that I love about what you said was understanding how to speak to these landlords, and I'm taking the perspective of the renter, understanding how to speak to them in their language in a way that they can understand, not because you're trying to accommodate them or or go out of your way to please it, but so that you can communicate with them to get your own problem solved. That is brilliant. That that goes back to like Dale Carnegie's how to win uh, win friends and influence people psychology of like working with people, speak to them how they will understand it so that you can actually get things done. I think that's brilliant. I, I really do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's and it's difficult because it's not it's not taught anywhere. There's no at, at this point, I have not seen any course. I've, I've, see, I've seen some articles that touch on it, um, but there's not really any information out there for people about how to how to go about how to go about doing that. Um, and I was really kind of shocked when I went into the bookstore and I didn't see any of those types of books um, written from the perspective of from the perspective of the renter. Um, given that they are the the customer base for this multi multi-billion dollar industry of of real estate like they are they are a significant um constituent of of this particular industry wow that's huge so you mentioned earlier we've been talking about it um throughout this interview the importance of building relationships Absolutely. And we've talked and, and we've danced a, a little bit around it, but I want to ask it directly. What is your philosophy on developing those deep, meaningful, and genuine relationships with other people? 
so the relationships that you build with other people are everything. And what I mean by that is the, the value from, this is, um, this is my philosophy, from the value, from the standpoint of the value of your, your life, how you're able, how much enjoyability you're able to get out of your life is really directly related to the quality of the relationships that you have with the people who are around you, who you surround yourself with. If those relationships are not, those relationships are not strong, they're not great, then it makes it much more difficult to find your passion in life and go for that passion and enjoy the process of doing that. Um, so when I meet people, I start from a default standpoint of trying to provide value to them when I, you know, as I can, based on what, based on what I'm gleaning from the conversation about what they're interested in and where they're going. And the reason, part of the reason why I do that is because I'm expecting reciprocation. I'm expecting that other person to think about, okay, this person is giving me, has given me something that is useful, or I've had an enjoyable experience with this person. So let me try and provide some, some useful piece of information back to them or help ensure that they are having just as good a time in this conversation as I am. And, and it can, and it can be for a selfish reason. I'm having a great time in this conversation. I don't want it to end because I'm enjoying myself. So let me inject some fun here so that we can continue on this journey together. Um, and that then can snowball into this, this concept of social capital. So most people think about financial capital. Do I have the money to do what I want to do? But there's this kind of partner concept of social capital. Do I have the relationships with people that can help me do what I want to do? And it's a wonderful case in point here. This room that I'm in right now, this is an eight-person conference room on the 15th floor of a high-rise in San Jose, California. The only reason that I'm able to use this room for our conversation today is because I did an internship for the guy who runs this company back in 1995. Um, it was a summer internship, worked for him for three months, maintained that relationship over that time. So now when I'm setting up you know, for podcasts and that kind of thing, I give him a call, I say, hey, I'd like to do a podcast. You know, I need a, I need a quiet conference room to work. You know, do you have anything that you're not using that day? Sure, no problem. Come on down. All because of the relationship. Now, a room like this could easily cost eighty to a hundred bucks an hour to use. But since I'm using social capital, I get access to this. I get access to the room. Yeah, I may have to bring a bottle of wine for them to share or whatever. But the the point is that the relationships that you build give you access to resources that you may not otherwise have. Um, and, and I kind of also touch on that in the book in the sense that the relationship that you have with your landlord, that you develop with your landlord, really can help you when you go to have that conversation and, and because it sets the right context for the conversation that you want to have.
I think that is profound. And I love the idea of social capital as something that I pay attention to a lot. Um, you know, speaking to people on a, on a very frequent basis, it definitely helps to be able to gauge like, what relationship do you have with them? Like, how how much have you given to them? How much have you taken from them? Like, where do you actually stand with this person? Because I feel like a lot of people struggle to gauge that. And so they may try to take, 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 not realizing that they haven't really given as much back. And so then when something really big comes and they need to call in a favor, they don't have the... Uh, that social balance, if you think continuing with the, with the bank example, they don't have the balance to make that withdrawal. And that is very, very important to me. And I'm, I'm really glad you brought it up. Yeah. Like your default has got to like giving needs to be your default. Cause if giving is your default, it ensures that, you know, carrying on with your, with your bank account example, if giving is your default, it ensures that there will always be enough there that you can pull from. And that's really important. And also, and I had this experience of, you know, kind of related to the book as well. So I got to develop this website for my, for my book and, and I'm de developing the, I'm working on the website, I'm putting things together, but it's really easy to build a website as long as you stay on the, predetermined path that they've given you if, if you start to deviate from that then it's very difficult to make happen what you want to have happen if you're a total novice at building websites which i have to admit i am um so i do have there's a friend of mine who's really good at building websites he has that knowledge and he started he started helping me and whatever but we really hadn't had a conversation about should I, should I pay you? What are you, what are you expecting in return? That kind of thing. Um, so I just came out and asked him, um, you know, I know you've, you've been very helpful to me. You've accomplished a lot of things. Like what, what can I do for you in, what can I do for you in return? Um, you know, or would you, you know, would you like to, would you like to be paid? You know, what, what exactly are the parameters under this? Now he told me that, he was just happy to see my project move forward. And that was, that was what he was looking for from, from, from what, from working together. Um, but if I hadn't asked the question, then that would always be lingering out there. And it could have led to him thinking, well, is he just taking, does he really value what I'm providing? You know, and that way, just asking questions, we, we squashed all of that. Um, and it makes it a lot easier to move forward and work together with the other person, quite frankly. Absolutely. And I feel like that acknowledgement, that was a deposit with with him because it was acknowledging like, hey, you're doing me a huge solid and I am so grateful for that. So, you know, thank you. Like, And I know it was in the context of like, hey, you know, what, what exactly are we doing here? But I love the the way you approached that because it was a very value driven uh, foundation. I, I I think that was uh, I think that was that was pretty smooth. You good, you you good. <laughs> so let's talk about legacy. 
Okay. Quick, quick transition there, right? Let's talk about legacy. What do you want to leave behind as your legacy? It's an interesting question because I really feel like, even though I'm 43, about to be 44 in August, like I really feel like I'm just getting started, um, especially in terms of in terms of this book and what this could this what this could ultimately lead to. Um, so as I've gone out and I've been networking with people and talking to people about the book and what I've been doing, if people are interested in what you're doing, they will give you ideas, which is fantastic if you are functioning basically as a team of one. Um, so there have been ideas for a kind of a TV show based on this, where you help people go out and use the secrets and find apartments and that kind of thing. And walk through the process and then, you know, show like which secrets apply and what situation and all of that. Um, there have been ideas for, you know, an app um, that people can use when they're looking for apartments, kind of walk through the process. And so they can ask the right questions as they're doing that. Um, so this project um, can evolve into a lot, into a lot of different things. Um, but I think what, what I want to leave behind, I think, more than anything, is to really change how, how this whole process is done. Like, we're the tech, well, the real estate industry in general is being dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st century. It's not the most tech savvy industry. And most of the technology that has been applied has been applied from the standpoint of owners, investors, and managers. It hasn't really been applied from the renter, from the renter standpoint and perspective. Um, so I'm thinking that some, somewhere, somewhere along the lines, there's going to be some application of technology to really kind of help renters navigate this process of finding an apartment, negotiating with landlords, um, and, and working through that. And honestly, even though it's kind of focused on renters, there's a lot of value here for the landlords too. Like, to have a renter that understands the value of your relationship with the landlord, such that they actually follow the community rules, clean up after their pet, don't disturb quiet hours after 10 p.m. Like those things really enhance the value of your investment and continue and ensure that there's a continuity of cash flow out of your investment. Because one wrong, one bad choice of a resident can drive everybody else away. And then you're, you have an empty building, you know, as we pointed out before, with no cash flow, um, which you can't get back once it's vacant. Um, so I'm still kind of noodling through what, what directions this is going to take and where this is going to go. But ultimately, I think it's going to be some type of disruption with how people interact with this process that we call, that we currently call renting. Um, and to make it better, smoother, easier, 
for for both the landlord and the resident. What's been going on in your personal life this whole time? <laughs> uh, really, at this point, not a whole lot. So there's no, you know, I don't have anybody special in my life. There's no dating situation going on right now. Um, so hoping to work on that in the, in the, in the coming, in the coming months here. Um, but basically I've, I've got on the personal side, I've just got a group of, I got a group of friends, um, that I spend a lot, that I spend some time with. Um, and as those friends have added, you know, children and they've got their families have gotten bigger and that kind of thing, it's become a little more difficult to arrange those, those times when we can like spend time together. Um, but on the, but on the personal side, that's, that's pretty much what's been going on. Um, and I'm recognizing the, the need to kind of broaden, broaden that and, and meet more people and have more experiences. Um, cause I'm typically meeting people from the standpoint of business networking, um, which is great. Um, but parlaying that into social networking is, you know, can be, can be somewhat dicey. You're very professional and you clearly know what you're doing and the people need to hear what you have to say. I'm convinced. Um, but I want to know when do you, when do you let loose? Like, when do you, when do you let it let it fly? Like when are you relaxed and let the let the professionalism kind of kind of float away? When I go dancing, that's that's when that's when I that's one of the places where I experience this concept of kind of flow, where I'm just kind of in that in that moment. And whatever happened before, whatever is going to happen after really doesn't, really doesn't matter. It's all about what's happening in this moment right now. Um, so, and that's, that's, that's my, that's my number one hobby. Um, and people have said, well, you know, why don't you do that professionally? And, I don't want it to become a job because a job entails stress and responsibility. And, you know, in the case of dancing, like things have to be choreographed the right way. And it's going to be like, I don't want that to, I don't want it to have, I don't want the dance experience of dancing to have any of that attached to it. I just want it to be what it, what it is, um, which is a way to relax. It's an outlet. It's, creative expression and and it's just the the way to let go of all the of all the tension that that you accrue through this stressful thing that we call life i love that dude i love dancing too i'm not that good of a dancer but like I go out and I try anyways. It's a lot of fun. Well, here's the thing. 
the people who are holding up the wall have nothing to say. If you're out there, you're doing your thing, like, if you're going to criticize, you can come on the dance floor and criticize from there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. That is great. You get to how often do you get to go dancing? Um so actually last week I did pretty good. So I actually got out like 2 days last week. Um so I'm trying to incorporate that cuz I'm juggling like working with my real estate consulting clients, um, you know, networking with the book and I'm just, so I'm juggling all of this stuff. Um, but I, one of the, one of the articles I recently read is that entrepreneurs do not make enough time to take care of themselves, to focus on de-stressing, relaxing, you know, taking care of their weight and all of those kinds of, all those kinds of issues. So I'm trying to, kind of plan my weeks in such a way that there's some avenues left open um, for, for the dancing and for the gym and those, those kinds of things. Um, but it is, I mean, it's a, it's a weekly, honestly, it's a weekly struggle. Um, Cause there are, I mean, there's always, there's always networking events that you want to do. Um, so it may, in the, and usually they're in the evening that may force you to try to like work out in the morning. And there, there aren't a whole lot of dancing options in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so those end up in the evening. So you guess you've just got to kind of juggle all of this stuff. Um, but just actually keeping in mind that these are the goals that you're trying to do. These are the competing goals that you have. Um, while you're, while you're doing that, while, while I'm doing that planning process is, is really, is really important. Um, cause there's, cause there's really, I mean, since it's just me, like there's no one in the room saying, yeah, but you forgot to pencil in time for dancing or you left out your gym time here or mm-hmm. you're over committing for your client here. Um, but then there are times when it makes sense to overcommit for a client based on what they're dealing with, what their situation is. And that helps you maintain that relationship. And then after that particular crisis is over, you may then change your schedule and revert back to something that you're doing previously. Um, So it's this constant, well, I guess that's the right word for it. It's a constant dance that you're doing every week to schedule this stuff and and balance it out um, as best you can. Um, So entrepreneurial scheduling is really, it's really an art form. That's a beautiful metaphor of, of it's it's a constant dance, you know, I love playing music mm-hmm. and I uh, love playing guitar. I love uh, learning piano. I'm not that good at it yet, but I love to uh, to learn. And I like to sing too. Um, the, this microphone that I, that I use for the show, the only uh-huh. reason that I have this microphone, this specific one, was because I was in a band in high school. And this is the microphone that I got for the band. And it just so happened to be like a really good one because I did my research. Um, uh-huh. But after all these years, it's still coming in handy. So it, uh, it was, yes. uh, I got lucky there. But, you know, I'll I'll try to jump. You know, I, I work from from my home. This is, this is my home. I built a studio in my home. Mm-hmm. Um but I'll like run downstairs and go get on the piano and play for a little bit or, you know, jam on the guitar and then. Um, I also have a dog, so I like to try to walk her at night and 
uh-huh. um, you know, listen to an audio book at the same time or something. But you're right. It's, it is, it is tough to get all that, um, all that time in, but I think it's important to recharge so that you can come back to the work and, and you're fresh or rejuvenated and you're like, all right, it's go yeah. time. It's yeah. go no, time. It's, it's awesome that you like play instruments because the last instrument, the last instrument that I played was like that plastic like recorder that you get in like sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't any good then. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, Justin, I want to thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show today um, and sharing all that you have and, and sharing this time with me. It's been very special, and it's it's truly been an honor to speak with you. So, thank you. No, thank you. I really appreciate I really appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate the depth of the questions that you that you asked. Um and you know, and the and really the thoughtfulness that you kind of that you put in that you put into them. Um as it, it makes me think more as a as a guest. Um and I know it'll be more useful to the to the people listening in your audience as well. Well, I also believe that the work you're doing is very important. Um, and, you know, I, I want everybody who is watching, listening to go check out Rental Secrets, go grab a copy. Um, I will have a link to the proper, uh, the proper page if you go to projectegg.co slash Justin. That's projectegg.co slash Justin. So go check it out. Go grab the book and make sure that you leave an awesome review because it is very, very, very important that we as readers share our opinions, our honest feedback in the form of a review because that absolutely helps the other people, other readers like ourselves, learn more about the quality books that are out there and it helps the authors who are trying very, very hard to change the world in a very positive way like Justin to reach the people that he needs to reach because this is very important. Um, and we're all on this planet together. And if we can do our little part to help everybody else, we'll live in a much better world. It's not like we're going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be a different 7 billion people like <laughs> we're here to stay. So um, go go grab that book. That's projectaco slash Justin. Um, and thank you again, Justin, for coming on. Um, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, it's been a, been a great opportunity. Um, yeah, name the title of the book is Rental Secrets, uh, rentalsecrets.net. And uh, had a great experience talking with you, Ben. And uh, I hope uh, hope people uh, can uh, appreciate what, you know, what I've put out there and I hope it serves them well going forward. Awesome. So thank you all so much for listening, watching. I love you very, very much from the bottom of my heart. And I will see you on the next episode. Take care.